to me and to my family. Um, just the thought now of uh, West Michigan just really being home for our family, and there's without question a sense of being uh, settled here, loving our church, loving what God is doing in and through it, and uh, so many of you, as I look around the room, have been um, such a significant part of uh, the story of Christ Church, and uh, I am really, really excited, particularly this morning, thinking about what's even ahead for us in this next year that I'll talk about even a little bit in the close, and uh, just excited for what God has for us. And uh, the thing I love about uh, uh, God is that there's such, a, there's such faithfulness that when you begin to capture a, a picture of his faithfulness, there's such assurance that comes with it and hope and confidence. And um, I want to remind all of us th- this morning as we uh, close out this series in church of, called Churchology um, that, that at the center of what, of what God has built here in this church, we've strived at every point to make sure that Jesus Christ remains at the center. And that is a work that is a work, and it is a, a commitment that requires everybody that would make up a church to be chasing after that. My a prayer again and again for my life and for yours is that above all other things that we would be captivated by the person of Jesus Christ. Captivated. And so uh, today as I finish up this series um, on the church, um, I believe that God wants to as we celebrate our seventh anniversary and, and we look back and go, thank you, Lord, but give us the grace to walk forward with whatever a time we have left individually or together, I believe God wants to challenge each of us to rekindle, maybe restart, maybe begin for the very first time, a passionate love for Christ. Just a passionate love for Christ. Because, because a, a, a real significant growing love for Christ must be the blazing center of our lives. And so the challenge is going to come from the last book of the Bible. So you could start turning in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2 and let me just pray for us. God, I stand here um, honestly humbled by any amount of reflection on what you have done in our church, in ways that many people have seen week in and week out, in the variety of ministries and services and celebrations that we've had. But God, you know, even more than I know, and I'm thankful, God, for the stories that lie behind the scenes, the things that people may not see, some of the places where you've won in in ways that I never thought you would win, Ways that you've surprised me, ways that you've humbled me, ways that you've humbled our church, ways that you have provided at times when we didn't know how the provision was going to come. I'm thankful for your faithfulness and your goodness to us, and we just want to honor you this morning by studying this word and hearing it and receiving it. So I'm asking that you would lead this time in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. A few weeks ago... um, I woke up in the morning from um, one of those uh, dreams that are extremely vivid. Anybody had those in the past week where you wake up and you can recount the whole entire dream? And um, in the dream, I was, I was in a room with, with lots of people around me from my college years. I, I distinctly woke up remembering that. And for those of you that don't know, I came to faith in Christ at the end of high school and my faith grew substantially during my college years. 
And, and that was a place where even uh, there were so many significant people in uh, my life during that time. And one particular person that was distinctly, I woke up remembering seeing his face so vividly was my uh, college pastor, Joe. And um, this was a man who had a huge influence on my life. Like he discipled me, he counseled me, he encouraged me to become a pastor. He had a simple but passionate love for Jesus Christ that was clear to anybody that was around him. And when I woke up from my dream, just being like refreshed by this memory of that season in my life when my faith was so clear and deepening and growing in ways that was significant, I woke up and God immediately led me to this passage. He brought this passage to my mind and I opened my Bible and started to read it. So just follow along with me. Revelation chapter two, one through five. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. So he's writing to the church in Ephesus here. Jesus has a word. He's speaking through this revelation to John and if you remember last week, we talked about Ephesians and the message. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. As I read the words that morning, a tear just started to roll down my face. God was tenderly but clearly convicting me. Convicting me to, to, to be reminded of the priority that my first love must have. A reminder of places where I needed the conviction to do what the word says that we're going to talk about this morning. As I process with my wife and then with our staff, I sense the need, the call even, and even the way it fit into the end of this series in ways that I had not anticipated. And so made the adjustment to, to preach this message this weekend. Not just significant that it's the end of the churchology series, but significant that it's our seventh anniversary in a church that's going by the name Christ Church. So as we celebrate our seventh anniversary, as we get excited about what God might have for us, as we begin to launch into our fall season of ministry, I simply this morning want to stoke and stir up our love for Jesus Christ. This cannot move from the center, as this passage so clearly teaches. Today we're going to finish our series by, by refreshing our love for the one who started the church and the one who must remain at the center. It's here, it's, it's being caught up in the simplicity of just loving Jesus, where we become what God designed us to become. It's here, captivated by the name of Jesus and his place in our life where we find unity, where we come under his authority, where we're equipped to contribute and grow up into the fullness of Christ. To truly be the church of Jesus Christ, each of us need to hear the challenge from Revelation 2 and respond. Here's the big move. 
rekindle your love for Jesus. Rekindle it. We're called to rekindle a passion for Jesus. To, 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 for some, maybe this morning, it's starting the fire. For some, it's rekindling the fire that's sort of kind of burnt out, if you know what I mean. The flames have gone down and there's still some heat, but we gotta stoke that. Some of us need to stoke the fire to rage with more intensity, not growing content, believing that we're done or finished, but stirring it up. Whatever is needed, move in that direction. So let's walk through the passage. Let's, let's listen carefully to, to Jesus speaking to a church from a place of authority sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And let's respond in the way God is wanting. Jesus starts in this passage by challenging the church's priorities. Each one that he highlights is a good priority. But what he's doing here is he's saying that none of these priorities can be prioritized above your love for Jesus. Each priority is a great follower, but a terrible leader. Let's just look at them together. First, good priority number one, consistent works for Jesus. Like, like we're supposed to be going after good works. Like, we're supposed to have a patient endurance to be obedient to God, faithfully uh, striving to do the right things. The Bible teaches us that we should strive to abound in good works and bear fruit in every good work. It's a good priority, but it cannot be number one. Second good priority is to avoid evil. Don't bear with those who are evil. That's what the church is being faithful to. And we should pray, like in the Lord's Prayer where it says, deliver us from evil, or, or in 1 Thessalonians where it says, abstain from every form of evil. And we as the followers of Christ should have a desire for purity in every area of our life. We want to do good, not evil. But it's a good priority, but it cannot become number one. Good priority number three, right from this passage, protecting right doctrine. They tested the teaching. They, they called out every false teaching. First John 1 calls us to test the spirits and see if they're from God. Elders should... Call out false teaching and doctrine when necessary. Right truth is important. The word says we should be adorned by these truths. We should live them out. We should know what the word teaches, but only if the end goal is to get us to the right person. This is a good priority. Cannot be number one. Good priority number four is to endure persecution. We want to have in the church a passion for evangelism, to share Christ we, we, want, we want to be ready to represent Jesus Christ even when persecution comes. Jesus modeled what persecution would look like and persevered through it. And he promises the same persecution for his followers in kind. We're called to live out our faith in a world that is increasingly hostile to the truths of God, but that is a good priority. But it cannot be number all four of those priorities are great followers but terrible leaders. If they lead a church, like I've seen so many times and even felt the tendency in our church at times, it will lead us away, it'll lead any church away from a pure love for Christ being at the center and those priorities to be fueled by that love for Jesus. 
Love for Christ must be the highest priority. And verse 4 makes it crystal clear. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. That should, that should grip you when you read that. Because he's talking about the churches that now have been planted and started and, and, and the truth of this extends to, to, to our church today. And um, this love that he's referring to here is very clearly when you understand and study the context is a love for God. It's a passion for Christ. It's an overflowing love that is intended to change every part of your heart and your life. It's intended to wash over and inform the way that you think. And, and it's a love that doesn't just manifest itself with affections, but also with obedience. Note that, church. It's a love that just doesn't manifest itself with affection, but also with obedience. Love for Christ is the only right leader over your life. Love for Christ leads you to all of these priorities. All these priorities come out of a love for Christ, motivated by a love for Christ. But what, they, what it does when you've got the love of Christ at the center is it gives you the right focus, the right perspective, and the right power to live faithfully to those priorities. Rekindle your love for Jesus. Rekindle a passion for Jesus to be the first priority. So how? How do you rekindle a love for Jesus? How do you rekindle the fire that Jesus wants to, to be in the center of your being in your life. Well, anyone who knows anything about fire knows that fire requires three things. Fire requires heat, fuel, and oxygen. Here's what you need. I, I brought with me some fuel here. So we got, we, got, we got lots of fuel. Okay, I promise there will be no fire started this morning for anybody who might be a little anxious. Okay, I've got fuel for the fire here. We got plenty of oxygen. No one seems to be suffering from a lack of oxygen or else I'd know. You'd be a little dizzy or passing out, so we're good there. And I've got some fire, a source of heat. All of these are required to a stoke or start a fire. And each of these elements is here in this passage, in Revelation, right in verse 5. So if you're like, how? How do I, how do I rekindle a, a, a love for Jesus? How does this get stoked in me? How does a fire begin to burn for Jesus? The directions are given right here. First one, verse five. What's the first word there, church? Remember. It's point number one. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. This is the heat. This is the heat. And, and the heat comes and is produced and stirred by remembering the person of Jesus and what he has done for you. The truths about who Jesus is when rightly reflected and received by faith literally set the human heart on fire. When rightly remembered, they increase the temperature of your love for Jesus. One of the things I love about uh, God's word is the way it 
gives you a pathway to remember. Just to remember. I love not just to read the Bible, but um, rich Christian books. Actually, sometimes the older, the better on this. That just have this fresh perspective on the beauty and the majesty of Christ. This week I opened an, um, a, an abridged version, because I'm, I'm, I'm not quite ready for the full version, of a John Owen's um, book called Communion with God. When I, when I got a hold of the book, I opened to chapter 8, because chapter 8 was titled, The Glories and Excellencies of Christ. The first line of the chapter said, to encourage our hearts to give themselves up more fully to the Lord Jesus Christ, consider his glories and excellencies. And it's like, okay, okay, first line got me. I'm gonna read this chapter. It was, it was a simple call to remember. It was like, if, if you want your heart stirred up, if you want to, to, to give yourselves more fully to Jesus Christ, which is an evidence that, that love has been manifested in your heart and you're responding to the call of Christ's love, the way we get there is by considering the glories and excellencies. And at the end of the chapter, he begins to just recount the beauty of Christ. And it's an extended quote, but I think worthy this morning. And so I, I want you to pay attention to the screen as I read this. And, and, and I want you just to feel free even in your own spirit because I want you to bring your spirit and your heart to this. I don't want this to be an exercise of me reading a quote. I want you to be captured by the truths that are being communicated. And if there's something that stirs your heart, I just want you to feel free just to be like, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever might come, don't be worried about the person next to you. You just get after it and praise in whatever way you want to. Here we go. He is altogether lovely in his birth and incarnation. He is altogether lovely in the whole of his life, in his holiness and obedience, which in the depths of poverty and persecution he showed by doing good, receiving evil, blessing others, and being cursed himself all his days. He is altogether lovely in his death, especially to sinners. He was never more glorious and desirable than when he was taken down from the cross, broken and lifeless. He carried all of our sins into the land of forgetfulness. He made peace and reconciliation for us. He procured life and immortality for us. Amen. He is altogether lovely in his work, in his great undertaking to be the mediator between God and man, to glorify God's justice, to save our souls, to bring us to the enjoyment of God who were at such an infinite distance from him by reason of our sin. He is altogether lovely in the glory and majesty with which he was crowned. And now he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Though he is terrible to his enemies, yet he is full of mercy, love, and compassion to his loved ones. He is altogether lovely in all those graces and comforts that he pours out on his people by the Holy Spirit. He is altogether lovely in all the tender care, power, and wisdom by which he protects, safeguards, and delivers his church and people in the midst of all oppositions and persecutions to which they are exposed. He is altogether lovely in all his ordinances and the whole of that glorious spiritual worship which he has appointed for his people by which they draw near to him and have communion with him and his Father. He is altogether lovely and glorious in the vengeance that he takes and will finally execute upon the stubborn enemies of himself and his people. 
He is altogether lovely in the pardon that he purchased and which he gives to those who receive him. Amen. He is altogether lovely in the reconciliation that he has wrought, in the grace that he communicates, in the comforts, the peace, and the joy that he gives his saints, and in his assured preservation of them, losing none, but raising all of them to eternal glory in the last day. Yes, he is altogether lovely. That is the heat, church. That's the heat. Remember how lovely Christ is. Like you, you, you're meeting him for the first day and having your heart stirred. Remembering gives heat to rekindle the fire. The truth about Jesus increases the temperature. And I want it to be so white hot in your life that any part of your life gets close to that heat and it just bursts into flames for the glory of God. Rekindle your love for Jesus. Remember. Then, the next word there. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. What's the next word, church? Repent. Repent. It's right there in the passage. See, what repentance does is it brings the fuel to be set aflame by the heat. The heat's unchanging. The temperature has an intensity that we can't even fathom. It, it, it has a it has it is produced by a Christ that can never be diminished in glory. And every aspect of your life and my life can be fuel. Literally food for the fire. We need to repent, though, from letting the fuel of your life be wasted on things other than Jesus. We have to repent regularly from giving our life to things that put out the fire or distract us from stoking a fire more intense for Jesus. Well, what's, what's happened is we've, we've spread our love out, and so we've, we've sort of spread it out, and we're over here, and we're giving ourselves to something, and we have these compartments of our life where we love to just spread out the fuel of our life sort of all over the place. And we spread it out and we, we go after this thing and this thing and this thing. And so many small fires that never satisfy. You and I only have so much fuel for the fire. Only limita- because of the limitations of our life, we only have so much time and so much energy and so much focus. And so many of the temptations in the world want to quench your fire for Jesus and spread it out all over with these little insignificant fires that burn for a little bit but never sustain us, never captivate us truly, never form a foundation for our lives, but Jesus wants it all. Too often what happens is we start these small fires in our lives and we show up and we come into church asking for God to do a big work in your life. Like, I, I, I want more of God. I, 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 want a, I want a stronger passion for God. But you're so spread out that what you bring to God is this. It's just the leftovers. And, and maybe in a service or in a conversation or in an occasional time in God's word, this gets stoked into a flame and it's burning and 
You're warmed by it, but it goes out before you get home. Ding. That's how thousands and thousands of churched people live week after week. They come to church bringing this with so much of the rest of their life spread out over so many different places. And they bring this to the Lord and it gets hot for a moment and they're stirred up. But it goes out before they get home. Repentance happens. Repentance happens. When you gather up all of the fuel from every part of your life and you gather it up and you're like, no more am I going to give my best or any even part of me to that part of my life. And you gather it all up, everything that you have. You gather up all the fuel from every part of your life and you bring it all under the rule and reign of Christ. Every part of your life laid out before the authority of the Son. And you gather it together. Because your goal with everything that you have is, is that's all you're called to, is to bring everything that you have. You don't have to bring anybody else's gifts with you or any aspect of their life. Your life brought together, set aflame by a love for Jesus Christ so that you are a literal bonfire for the glory of God. This is my worship. This is my worship. And repentance is gathering it all up because I want to light it all on fire with a love for Jesus. I want all of my life to get burnt up. Every single bit of it is my greatest joy and, and, and it is my greatest satisfaction. You will be nothing but warmed in every part of your soul and life if that is the reality of what your life looks like in a way that it's offered to God people then will see a bonfire and as D.L. Moody has famously said, people will come to watch you burn. People are captivated by it. By a central orienting passion for one thing that plays itself out in every relationship, every task, every move in your life. Repent from wasted fuel. Repent from places like I needed to that morning that I still see that there's something that I'm withholding. There's an area of my life that I still believe is mine. There's a part of my heart that I'm still grabbing hold of. There's a direction I have for this person or this situation that I'm trying to move and direct. Bring all of the fuel before the throne of Jesus Christ and, and when you get it there, just, just let his truth ignite it into a holy fire. Let the fuel Meet the searing heat of truth about Christ. Rekindle your love for Jesus. Repent. Then thirdly this, Jesus says, do the works that you did at first. The word I have there is return. Return. Jesus isn't calling you just to remember and repent. He is calling you back to good works. But, 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 very important but. He wants you to do those good works out of a love for Jesus. Remember, good works are bad followers. Good, good works are bad leaders, they're good followers. 
and it should follow a love for Jesus. Not out of obligation, not out of tradition, and not out of routine. Do them out of a burning, passionate love for Jesus. The starting point for our obedience must be our love for Christ. This is what the Bible calls walking by the Spirit. This is the essential elements. When Paul talks about that, he's talking about walking by the Spirit as, as a product of my first focusing on the love Jesus has for me and the things that he has for my life and wanting to embrace his love and then walking faithfully out of that love for Jesus. This is the oxygen. This is the oxygen. Be mindful of the Spirit of God within you, church. Those of you who have put your faith in Christ, the Spirit of God has been sent to indwell you. It is one of the great glories of the gospel and truths. God wants us to grow, to be more mindful of the Spirit because what the Spirit wants to do in every way is lead us to the love of Christ and also empower us for the obedience that God would call us to in our response to our love for Christ. It, that's how you stoke the fire. That's how you stoke the fire. That's how you breathe the very breath of God on it, this oxygen that causes the flames to rekindle and sometimes even intensify. When, when you ask the Spirit of God, when you're mindful of the Spirit, and you're walking by the Spirit, what that means is, is that moment by moment, you're asking the Spirit of God. First, you've got to be mindful that the Spirit of God is within you, mindful that Jesus Christ is reigning over your every moment, and then when you access him, literally what you're doing when you do that in your life is you're just breathing the Spirit of God into a situation, into a circumstance, into whatever you're facing, and you're stoking the fire. You're reminding yourself that Jesus loves you right in this moment and wants to inform your actions because he always knows what is best and perfect for you. When you invite the Spirit of God to work in your life throughout the day, you're living your life out of a love for Jesus as you walk by the Spirit. We've got to strive, church, to, to, to think about communing with God in every moment of your life. This is the great opportunity and invitation of the gospel, and it is also the place where there is so much struggle and war. Can I get an amen? Like, we feel that. And so after repentance, after we've gathered this and we've allowed the heat of God to start, start to stoke this fire, sometimes as it's just starting to burn, it needs that little breath. You know, as you started a fire and it starts, it's kindling underneath, and you give a little bit of breath of oxygen, and all of a sudden it just it erupts into something substantial. After repentance, return to mindfulness to Christ as you walk by the Spirit. A few weeks ago, I was at a, um, a, a GCC meeting. Great Commission Collective is the association of churches that our church is a part of. And at this meeting, uh, Dave Harvey, the president of GCC, was there. And he was talking about this book that he had um, heard about because uh, the, the pastor of his church had, had quoted this book. And the book was uh, titled, Every Moment Holy. Every Moment Holy. Just the title captures the point of what I'm trying to teach here that I believe God's word is showing us. 
There were two volumes, and, and out, of, out of our time together, he, he sent uh, the lead pastors that were there, he sent us all uh, the two volumes, and I got it in the mail, and, um, and, and here's the book, Every Moment Holy. It's just a sweet book with like just different prayers and liturgies would be the fancier word for that. And uh, I started thumbing through it, not really knowing what to expect from the book, but knowing that it had blessed Dave. And, and, and I opened it up, and pretty quickly I f- my eyes fell on um, this one on page 55, A Liturgy for Changing Diapers. And if I'm going to be honest, I, at this point I was like, seriously? A prayer for changing diapers? Like, isn't that a task we're just supposed to endure through again and again and again? Right, parents? And then I read it, just starting to maybe discount it in my mind or go the sarcastic route, which is pretty easy for me. And I read it, it says, Heavenly Father, in such menial moments as this, the changing of a diaper, I would remember this truth. My unseen labors are not lost, for it is these repeated acts of small sacrifice that, like bright, ragged patches, are slowly being sewn into a quilt of loving kindness that swaddles this child. I am not just changing a diaper. By love and service, I am tending a budding heart that, rooted early in such grace-filled devotion, might one day be more readily inclined to bow to your compassionate conviction, knowing itself then as both a receptacle and a reservoir of heavenly grace." I was like, I didn't change diapers like that. <laughs> so I'm kind of past that season, so I hope that's for somebody this morning. This is the oxygen. That's a picture of it. I, it's an example of, 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 of literally breathing the spirit of God and the truth of the gospel into something that can be so dang mundane. It's like over and over and over again. And so I kept reading after that, and, and, and I, as I looked through the book, I mean, this is just, you guys are going to love this, like, liturgies for, for laundering, for waiters and waitresses, for sunsets, before consuming media. Trust me, that one was convicting. For competitors, I skipped past that one, I was like, it doesn't apply to me. <laughs> for the morning of a medical procedure, for one battling a destructive desire, <laughs> For those who feel awkward in social gatherings, it's got something for everyone. Before shopping. And then, at the end, I read this one, who might for sure be an encouragement for some of our parents in the room. It's a shorter one. A liturgy for moment of frustration at a child. Let me read this one. Let me not react in this moment, O Lord, in the blindness of my own emotion. Rather, give me a fellow sinner wisdom to respond with a grace that would shepherd my child's heart toward your mercies, so equipping them for the hard labors of their own pilgrimage. It's books like this. And honestly, you don't even need a book like this. The book that you have in front of you, the Bible, has so many places that you can go and just begin to pray the truth of Scripture right into your life. It's the Holy Spirit that breathed it out. It's intended to be breathed out into your life. That is what we do when we return. 
when the fire and passion for Jesus Christ is stoked in our life, what we will do is breathe oxygen onto it and it will grow even more intense. And if a tool like Every Moment Holy can benefit you in that, then pick that book up and if you can't afford it, come let me know and I'll get it for you. Because it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to begin to train our minds to remember that there's no mundane moment there's, there's, there's no point in my life when I am not hemmed in by the love of Jesus Christ. There is not any moment in my life that is, that is sort of natural as if there's these categories that are natural and these categories then that are supernatural. It, 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 takes, it cuts right at the tree of this idea that I just want to get to this great holy moment and live in it forever. That's called heaven. It's coming. But in the realities of this life, in all of the ups and downs, the gospel is not something to only hope for in the future. It's something that Jesus wants to bring right to every moment of your life. And that will only happen when we've stoked a fire for Jesus. Not just reciting words on a page, but learning to invite the Spirit of God to fan the flame of love for Jesus into every good work. Listen, church, you don't, you, don't, you don't manifest this. All of this is outside of yourself. You're the fuel for the fire you've been given. The, the heat is by the grace of Jesus Christ and the glory of what he's revealed to us in his scriptures and the oxygen that we have to breathe on any moment is by the work of the glorious spirit of God. Work out of what God has worked into your life. And none of you, through faith in Jesus Christ, has anything that's been in your past, in your present, or will be in your future that can keep you from rekindling your love for Jesus. And my call to you on the authority of this scripture is to return. And church, if we don't receive this call to kindle our love for Jesus, just just look at what's at risk. The last sentence of verse five, if not, If you don't do these things that we just outlined in great detail, if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What what it's saying here is if, if if we fail to repent, if we get to a place where we just grow cold to these things, Jesus will visit our church in a way we do not want him to visit. He will visit our church and remove the lampstand. The lampstand is a reference to the influence of a church. It's a picture of the light of the church. Individually and corporately, if we fail to keep Jesus and our love for him at the center, our influence will cease. No more light. Why do churches close their doors? Because Jesus is literally coming to shut off the lights. Removing the lampstand. And not just the lights, the lamp stand. He literally takes the fixtures, removes the wires, all of it. If we're not like going after a passionate love for Jesus, if we're not increasingly committed to that end, a passionate pursuit of that relationship, if we're not ready as individuals and as a church collectively to pause, to adjust anything necessary in our church, to purify the church with a passionate love for Jesus at the center. Then someone just called the electric company, shut out the lights, and let's go do something else. 
But if we hear this passage in Revelation and we get our lives, the fuel, close to the heat of the revelation of Jesus Christ, his glories and excellences, and if the fuel of what we have to give begins to be stoked into a fire, then God is going to be pleased and he is going to let our light continue to shine to the world. If we want this to drive us, we've got to announce this to each other. Declare it. And I believe the place that we do that in the church today is in communion. So I'm going to invite you to come and rekindle your love for Jesus this morning. Communion was given by the church given to the church by Christ to be a regular rhythm to remember, repent, and return. The communion service can begin to come now as they pass out the elements, church, just take the two cups stacked on top of each other with the symbols of Christ's loving sacrifice for us, his body and his blood. Only take those symbols if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and your faith is in him and hold on to them and we'll take them together. Take this time, church, to commune with God, seek him. Ask him to rekindle a love for Jesus in every area of your life. Remember, repent, and return. So as the band begins to sing this song, I just want us to seek God. And I want us to, to turn our lives back to this place and, and give him everything and gather it all up from all the places we would send it and ask God to stoke a fire in our life and let the spirit of God breathe on us. Seek him now, church, and then we'll take these elements together in just a few moments. Seek him. I love the, I love the truth in that song, and the goodness of the gospel is, is that our God never relents his pursuit of us is a consuming fire is the picture his zeal for your heart never diminishes in any way in the midst of that even his tenderness is evident and in this move of communion as we hold in our hands these elements let us be reminded that wherever this is remembered rightly the very spirit of god is present and so in doing this, let us just forget about the people that are around us and remember the person who's represented and symbolized in these elements. And as you do it, I pray that it would be a reminder, a call to remember Christ for all of his glories and excellencies as he sits here in this room right now through the power of his spirit and that in our remembering, we would also repent in taking these elements saying, God, I want you to have all of it because you gave me all of you. And then to return out of this love that Christ gives to do all that God's called us to. So first we have the broken body of Jesus, this symbol. Let's do this in remembrance of him. And in this cup, the symbol of his blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of him. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us individually and corporately. I, I thank you that you will not relent 
You will not stop pursuing and speaking and revealing through ways that can be just a part of the rhythm of our life in wanting to stir up a fire. And sometimes, God, supernaturally, you can do things that we didn't predict, we didn't know, we didn't plan for or even anticipate. And I'm asking God, knowing that I cannot, no no matter how much time you would even give me, I cannot know, I, I cannot form in people's lives these things that we've talked about. It is completely and totally a work of your spirit. I'm reminded, God, that your spirit reveals itself in Scripture as both wind and fire. And so I'm asking that you would literally breathe on this people. Would you stir revival in our hearts? Not not for lesser priorities, but for the number one priority so that we might be and fulfill all other priorities with great delight and joy and security and peace and assurance that you go before us. Be the blazing center of our lives. Stir our hearts to be captivated by your love. And in all these things, God, continue to lead us, continue to pursue us, continue to be the consuming fire. Let us offer ourselves to you and create through our lives a bonfire for the glory of God that you will not come to shut down, but simply continue to promote through us. We ask that in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.